0: Welcome, welcome back to another amazing Saturday service. I hope that you are blessed. I'm so excited that you're here. Shout out to those on YouTube, um, (laughs) those watching this later in the week, because uh, I pray it's a blessing for you as well. I believe that the word of God is always timely, and so I just pray that you get something out of the word of God today. Uh, Man, what a fun squad con we had. Uh, What an amazing time we had together. I'm so thankful for so many. I mean, we saw literally so many people. Like, I think I counted at one point and the people inside of the SquadCon Discord was like 180 or 160. It was was out of control. And uh, in my opinion, one of the best SquadCons we've had yet online. And I was just so thankful to be a part of it. And to be able to hang out with some of you guys, get to have some cool conversations, get to beat you guys as some fall guys, you know, things like that. Stay tuned after service, play some fall guys again. Um, but I was truly, truly humbled to just see our community come together and be together in one accord. And uh, I just pray you were blessed. I really do. I pray that it was a blessing for you, uh, whether it, you know, it had spiritual impact for you, uh, which I'm Positive it did because we had some amazing speakers, or it had, you know some communal experience for you where you got deeper into community. Um, yeah, I think it was it was life changing, and I'm thankful for it. But today we're gonna do a little something different. We're gonna start uh, a new sermon series, so to speak. Um, and when i when I when I preach, I really want to start going through the book of Luke and diving a little deeper into the scriptures and, you know, exhuming from them exactly what the Lord was speaking uh, through them and in them. And I hope we do that often. Uh, and I'm sure we miss the the, the target sometimes. But I really want to go methodically through the book of Luke and really break down scriptures in a way so that we can start to have a better understanding, uh, a better literary understanding of what the Lord was speaking. And rather than just place a topic or pull a topic always out, which there's always topics within what the Lord was trying to speak. um, But rather than having a topic and kind of placing different scriptures to support that topic, I want the scriptures themselves to speak a topic and pull that through it, uh, pull out of it which is called exegetical Uh, to explain the words that I always use. Anytime I ever use a big word or a word that, you know, maybe some people don't understand as I wouldn't have understood what that meant had I not uh, been a pastor so long. um, I'm hoping that the the word exegetical is something that kind of moves in the preaching uh, as I speak, because it means to extract from, uh, you know, take from the scripture and it's it's really 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 important um to be able to understand the context of scripture so that we can dive deeper in our relationship with Jesus so we can understand what he meant and we can live our lives in a way um that is righteous and good and so just jumping into the book of Luke to give you some background uh there's some there's some I guess uh what would they call it? exohistorical or uh, Historicity behind some of the words I'm going to speak that aren't coming directly from the Bible, but there's some evidences that we believe. And so, some things that I would tell you that are pretty agreed upon within the theological community, so on and so forth, those that study the Bible. And one of those is that this book was written by a man by the name of Luke. Um, He also wrote the book of Acts, is widely believed. Um, Most would say that he must have been. Some sort of a physician or uh, learned man because of the way that he handles the scriptures uh, in the literary context and the way that he kind of statistically breaks things down. Um, It just makes a lot of sense that he was a physician. Uh, He would have spent a lot of time uh, with the Apostle Paul and would have learned a lot of what he knows. And the things that he puts down in the scriptures from either the, the, Jesus' mother Mary, uh, just because his uh, accounts of her are so detailed. Um, and that's another reason why they think he was a physician is because he's very detailed, oriented in the way that he talks uh, and, and writes out the scripture. And so he gained most of his knowledge either from uh, Jesus' mother Mary and uh, a conglomeration with the Apostle Paul. And Luke in the book in and of itself, if you're familiar with the Bible, the Bible's broken down very interest interestingly, but a lot of times there's information in the Bible that's repeated and not just repeated in the same book, like trying to get a point across, but book after book repeated. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And three of those gospels are called synoptic gospels meaning they have synchronicity to them. They're showing the same story, um, usually from a different light or a different experience or a retelling from a different point of view. And Luke is one of those synoptic gospels. And the gospel in and of itself, often people refer to the Bible as the gospel. Um, but really when, when, the, when the word of God talks about the gospel, or we talk about the gospel in modern day. We're talking about the birth, the life, and the death of Jesus. And the book of Luke does that very well. And now all these books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, are all pointed really to reach a certain audience. And I think that's really, really important to understand because it changes the way that they phrase different things. Now, I find all this stuff super fascinating and it always blows my mind. And so I can geek out on this stuff all day, but to break it down simply, Luke was obviously writing to a Hellenistic Greek audience. He wasn't interested in anything often almost like throw shade at the Jewish community or those who practice Judaism in order to almost win precedence in the Greek forum. To be able to win the, the, the Roman thought, to be able to win the thought of the Hellenistic society. And so if you don't know what the word Hellenistic means, it means to, to really Greekify is the best way to say it. It's to, uh, to take away culture and make it something else. And that's kind of what Luke is putting his window through. His scope is pointed in this way very, very directly and i find it fascinating because the way he is wording this gospel he's doing it in such a way where you can understand it even if you're not from the culture it originated from and i find that super fascinating um and so he's also talking to in a way and the 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 gospel of luke is to kind of teach you and tell you like yes jesus just died Jesus, Jesus did take the cross. He did this, but you don't have to be worried because that won't happen to you. He's kind of winning a political warfare with this book. He's kind of saying like, Hey, 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 I know things are troublesome. I know like, like, you know, this guy was under power. And like, as I'm writing these words, this guy's in power, but it's, it's all going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Like this message survives the crazy political landscape you live your life in. And I think that that's even more interesting to us because we're removed from the Bible's writings by almost 2,000-something years. And so if that's the case, that means that this word and the words that are spoken by Luke and throughout the whole Bible are for today, and it is for you. And I don't know. I feel like we need to understand that in a deep level because it really, really matters. It matters for our perception. It matters to understand, like, this is not a dead book, that it's alive, that's speaking you today, that no matter what comes your way, and guess what? Even in America, even though you might feel like sometimes we're under certain dictatorships or whatever else, like, you don't understand how it was. <laughs> like, like, when you were living under Herod or some of his terrible sons, like, it was bad. It was not a good day. Yet Luke shows that everything's going to be all right. And I love that. I love being able to look into that. So today we're going to dive into Luke 1, 1 through 25. And I always find it interesting when you get into a book how they started off. And so this is how it's uh, it started off. And we're going to read through the scriptures. We're going to be going through a lot of scripture today and really trying to understand the Bible together. So Luke chapter 1, verse 1 goes like this. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us, so it also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence. Most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you've been instructed. So Luke starts this off pretty pretty basic. He starts it off in such a way that he is proving the point that hey, we've seen this. We've been around and he's getting his eyewitness accounts from people that have been there, right? We're talking about Paul, we're talking about the mother the mother of Jesus like like they've been there. They know what's up. And he's just making sure you know like like this is eyewitness material. I'm not hearing the second hand from somebody. Like, we've experienced this." And he's putting the pen to the paper. And then he goes on to say, "And so after he's made his grand entrance of like, "Hey, listen up, you need to hear this from me, because I know. I know that I know that I know." Which is interesting in those words, because that's a very, very, very uh, in that time of writing, in the way that he wrote verses one through four, it is very script and very Hellenistic in thought, and very like da-da-da-da-da, and that is not often how the Jewish people wrote. And then he gets into it, and you can kind of understand where it deviates from that, and it's a little bit more imagery-driven and a little bit more creative, and that starts off with Gabriel uh, predicts John's birth in verse 5. It says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah, His wife was from the daughter of Aaron, was one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. In verse 8, when his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot. That's not a person's name. That is a method. According to the customs of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense, which was one of his duties as a priest. At the hour of the incense, the whole assembly of people was praying outside an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be a joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children And the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous. To make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Verse 18 says, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, for I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. God. And I was sent to speak to you, all of you, this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the days these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people there is so much to break down (laughs) in this scripture and we're going to start we're going to start slowly but so i've talked to you guys a little bit about how the intro kind of was very hellenistic and very greek in style roman in style and how the next verses after that were very imagery driven and really brought a big narrative to this like it wasn't like gabriel visited him he did this this and this it is like really expounding upon this experience that Zechariah had. And so in verse five, in the, in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abjah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. See, Abja's division, you might not understand what that means, but basically the priesthood was broken down into these 24 divisions and they each had to take twice a year time to go in and burn incense and do their sacred duties as priests of the Lord. And so that's his division and obviously Zechariah was a part of that. When we go down to verse 5 and it says the, the first naming, it says uh his name was Zechariah. I find this always interesting because in the Old Testament specifically, you see this a lot, but even in the New Testament you often see it explained as well. But names have a powerful powerful like insane meeting we just don't name our kids random things like flower or frost or whatever else i'm not saying if you have those names it's it's weird or strange but it's different and you're just kind of named after an object when when the jews named a child it had meaning to it or when their name was changed it meant something significant and so zechariah's name is and you can't make this stuff up but it's remembered of jehovah and after reading through all of those scripture verses, you can obviously understand why being remembered of Jehovah really matters, right? Because what you can't get from the context clues of just reading this, if you were a normal American sitting in your house, if you're maybe a normal um, you know, uh, Australian sitting in your house, you might not be able to understand the breakdown of why this was so significant. These were tribal people. But their, their whole mainstay was really what they could produce. And whether that be what they could produce from their fields or what they could produce from their womb, it really mattered. But more so than what they could produce was this idea that they could be in the line of the Messiah. That somewhere along the line, that if I was a woman, I could produce Jesus or one of the great men or women of old. Maybe you could be the one that bared Elijah. And so there was an extreme pressure on females to live up to this worth that came through childbearing. And you wouldn't understand that from reading the text of how crazy it was and how much shame that Elizabeth dealt with and lived with unless you understood the context that this was her world. Her world would have been whether she could give kids or not. And so when it breaks it down further and it says both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord, then you would have in your Jewish mindset, you would understand then obviously this woman would be bearing much fruit, that she would have, have bared many children. Because if you are righteous in God's sight, of course you're going to have bearing fruit. And in verse 7 says, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well and long in years. And that's kind of like a gotcha moment. That's like one of those moments that's like, one does not line up with the other because her inability to conceive children, the community would look at her and think of that she was unrighteous, that for some reason she was living out of God's favor. And that is the reason she did not have the ability to produce children. Messed up. But it meant everything to these people. And in this time and understanding, you have to understand, this is a huge deal, man. This is huge. But even through all of that, Zechariah's name means remembered of Jehovah. One of the things I want to break down from this scripture verse, and really my main point today as a whole, is that great things happen in the consistency of a healthy relationship with God. Because righteousness, even apart from God, doing the miraculous like he did in the story, has a tremendous benefit for your life. I'm going to say that again. Great things happen in the consistency of a healthy relationship with God. Because righteousness, even apart from God doing the miraculous, has a tremendous benefit for your life. So hear me right now. To the purpose that this woman lived for Elizabeth, to everything, all the shame she felt felt from everybody else, the purpose she felt like she had for her life, she could not do. She did not have the ability. And she knew it because she was of old age. She could not conceive. And it's not for a lack of trying. Because it meant everything. but she still stayed consistent in her relationship with God. It did not go in reverse. It did not go, uh, Elizabeth chose to go her own way, live her own selfish desire, run her own path, do whatever she felt like doing because God didn't favor her. No, it went, I'm going to live righteous, whether that be I am robbed of the joy of giving birth. That is the antithesis of my life. I will still be righteous. I will still do the things of the Lord because even when I'm uncomfortable, even when things aren't lining up, even when I feel like I deserve it, even when it doesn't line up, I still know the right thing to do. The righteous thing to do is to pursue God with everything that I am. And I do not think that Elizabeth or Zechariah were living their lives in wholesome truth to God for the reward of conceiving a child. Because you can see it on Zechariah's thought process when he goes in front of Gabriel. He's like, wait, wait, wait <clears throat> whoa, we're past that time, man. <laughs> like, like we done lived. Like, I don't think we have it in us anymore. They lived righteously. Because they knew it was the right thing to do. And they were fervent in their prayers, and the Lord heard them. And he truly was Zechariah, remembered of Jehovah. It's beautiful, it's beautiful to me to be able to see someone's life fully given up to God, even when things are not working out, even when everything was not sunshine and rainbows and butterflies and Call of Duty every night. It was, it was, it was still worth living for. It was worth them choosing to abstain from certain things. It was worth them choosing to follow these harsh rules. We would see them as harsh. They would see them as normality. See, the tension here in this sermon is that people believe that good things happen to good people. And that is not Always true. A better way to look at it and understand is that great things develop in godly people. Great things develop in godly people. And that leads to good opportunity. Good things do not always happen to good people. Great things happen to godly people. Because you are developed when you become godly to look more like Him. And when you live a life that is more like Him, it changes the way you are perceived by society. It changes the way you are perceived by your friends, by your family. Because when you are living your life in a great way, applied to God, the fruit you bear is undeniable. Great things develop in godly people. And because of that, it gives you good opportunity. Put a 7 in chat if you've ever played a ranked game before. In any game, put a 7 in chat. If you've ever played any ranked games of any sort, I don't care if it's CSGO and you know, you're know you trying to be AK-74 gold, I don't know. I don't know the ranks in that game. But if you're in Valorant and you're trying to reach a certain level, if you're in League of Legends and you're trying to reach Challenger, that's my game. And if you're in whatever fill-in-the-blank Dota 2, I don't even know what the ranks are in that game. as you're going through those games and you're playing ranked. Yeah, we got people playing ranked all over the place. Oh yeah, you can play ranked in Final Fantasy. That's true, isn't it? You can go into like hardcore modes, like ranked. I, f- I feel like there's always competitive. There's always ranked in a game, right? People create ranked. There's like ranked Minecraft, right? Like where you could like speed run faster than somebody else. There's always ranks. And if you've played in a ranked game before, you will understand the dreadful rank grind. <laughs> you will understand the toxic grind it takes on your soul sometimes. And I play one of the most, quote, unquote, most toxic games. I play League of Legends. And man, it gets rough sometimes. And it is a grind. And it, and it like, you just, you get out of some games, you're like, why am I playing this? Why am I doing this to myself? I'm here to play and like have joy, not be like belittled because I'm bad. Statistically though, if I was to pull you guys in whatever game it is that you play, statistically, we probably are in the lower ranks of the game, right? Like, and so League of legends, there's iron, bronze, silver, gold, diamond, our platinum diamond masters, grandmasters, challenger. And so my specific rank is I'm in bronze, right? I'm, I'm number two on the list. I don't play a lot of rank. I'm probably like an upper silver player. I'm not great. Okay. But we all are probably on the bottom low half of that ranking system. It's just the way it is. But when we first got into the grind, right, and we first started beating away, trying to like win at that ranked grind, we all had it in our heads 100%. Like, oh, I'm going to carry you. Know, I, know, I know my friends said that they couldn't do it, but, but trust me, you haven't seen my skills in Rocket League, bro. You haven't seen my skills yet. And so, you know, you get in the grind and you're like really, 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 really like you're hammering games away. And you're just like, why do I have a 51% win rate? <laughs> like, like played 300 games and I've won 151 of them and lost 149. This was supposed to look different. It does. You just don't go in there and then like win 300 games in a row. It's just not normal. There's some exceptions to the rule. If you're one of those exceptions, praise God for you, man. You know what I mean? Sign me to your esports team. But. For the most of us, it's a grind and you go back and forth, back and forth. But no matter how well you play, no matter how perfectly, I mean, if you're the best, I can bring a challenger player into my bronze games and I can promise if he plays enough of them, he will eventually lose. Because no matter how perfectly your team has participated, no matter how good you are at whatever fighting game it is, one-on-one, you eventually will make a mistake. Or human. Or you just run into someone that's slightly better than you. You just get beat. The bottom line is that eventually you lose. See, the key to ranking up in League or Val or Overwatch or Multiverse, who's playing Multiverse these days? The key to ranking up in them is not it, it's It's not to just win every game. That would be the best. It'd be the, the 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 optimal way. The key is to ranking up in any competitive game is to be consistently winning. And so what that means is winning six out of 10 games. But with that comes four losses. It's about making consistent right decisions over a long period of time. And that's how you win. And it's a lot like that in this story. That Elizabeth, even in her old age, Do you think she never struggled? Do you think she never thought about deviating? Do you think Zechariah never thought about getting frustrated that his beloved Elizabeth couldn't do and live to the antithesis of her life? But they stayed consistent and they made the right decision to follow after God over a long period of time and they ended up winning. And even if they didn't win the, so to speak, grand prize of her being able to live to the purpose that she felt she was, she was destined for, they were living a good life and bearing fruit that was wholesome and good, and they found respect because of it. They were making the right decisions over a long period of time, and it paid off. And even if it never paid off that grand prize, there's always the grand prize of heaven. And we know that. That no, not every step is going to be easy. Not every game you're going to win. But if you consistently make the right choice over and over and over again, it will produce in you a good character that will carry you. Great things happen in the consistency of a healthy relationship with God. Because righteousness, even apart from God doing the miraculous, has a tremendous benefit for your life. I think Zechariah and Elizabeth were probably amazing people. They were the type of people that you want around. They were the type of people that you long for as mentors. They were the type of people that you wish you were like in every aspect because they did the righteous thing. They became like God. See, even in verse six and seven, when it says both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame and uh, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. This shows that goodness does not qualify you to a life of no suffering. It doesn't say that life's fair. It actually shows and proves the point that even to the best of us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But what I want you to take from Elizabeth in this story is that she stayed dedicated even through the pain, even through the lack of purpose, even when, the, when, when it looked gloom. Like she was at the end of her, of her days. She was at the finish line almost. And yet the Lord still remembered her. Even when you're going through all the junk of life, Your dedication to the Lord and being unwavering is a trait that should be sought for. We've allowed ourselves in modern day society, in Western culture, to just be thrown from wave to wave and be guided by our emotions and allow people to throw hissy fits and have, you know, and have fits of rage or this or that because, well, they were angry, they were feeling a certain way. Sometimes it's not about your feelings. Our dedication to God is past what we feel. It is deeper than that because the deeper, the, the meaning is deeper than that. It's deeper than the me feeling like wanting to praise God in the morning. It is deeper than being angry and committing something stupid. It's deeper than my feelings of, well, I love them. It's deeper. It is bigger than your wants or your desires. It is consistency over a long period of time. That is the righteous thing that produces in you good fruit. All of us, every single person that's listening today at the end of their days, they desire to hear the statement, well done, my good and faithful servant. But sometimes we lose sight of it. Sometimes we allow our culture to make excuses for us. Sometimes we allow ourselves to make excuses. But the truth of the matter is, is that God desires your righteousness. Not only because it brings him glory, but because it produces in you good things, good fruit, kindness. Gentleness, something to spur after, someone that I want to be like. Zechariah in verse 18 says, How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, For I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. This wasn't just miraculous because Elizabeth couldn't have kids, it was miraculous because of her age. It was well beyond, like, there was so much at this, this, this uh, time in her life, statistical data that I cannot have kids, that this was an utter miracle by God. And God can answer your prayers even when it seems impossible. See, I love this, 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 this moment that Zechariah had with Gabriel, which is interesting. The, the, angel, the, the, the angel Gabriel names himself. Because he's telling his credentials, right? Like, like Zechariah, like it, it, this angel has no time for this guy. <laughs> like he, like he comes down. He's like, the Lord sent me on duty. I got something to do now. I got some things I got to do. And when he says it, he goes, hey, I want to paint a picture first. Cause I, I'm thinking about this angel standing there before Zechariah. Close your eyes with me real quick. Close your eyes. I know you're all visual learners, right? Here we go. Imagine this with me. Zechariah walks into the presence of God. Like a place people feared that you would go. You would literally be, be drawn down by the weight of the presence of God in this place. And he lights the incense, and then all of a sudden, this magnificent being—it appears before him. And this, this angel obviously did not look like just another human standing there, because it doesn't say Zechariah got jump scared. It doesn't say that Zechariah was oh whoa startled. It said that when he saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. He's looking upon a being that he has never seen before. Something that is awe-inspiring. Like, oh no, fight, flight, run, fight. You know what I mean? Like, what, what do I do? And even standing before him, this obvious different worldly being. He has doubt. But, but like, could you imagine standing before this magnificent creature is like, but how can I know this? <laughs> like, 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 I feel like I would just be like, okay, man, whatever you say, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to get out of here, real quick. I'm, I'm done with my duties. I've lit the incense. I'm out. I ain't trying to make this a strange fire situation to get eaten up, you know? Like, you <laughs> would understand that if you understood the Bible. <laughs> how can I know this? And then Gabriel. I feel like Gabriel gets irked at this point. I don't know if angels have emotions or whatever else, but I feel like he's irked. Cause he goes, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Like this is serious, man. He's like, he's pronouncing himself now. He's like, how dare you? You insignificant being like, like dare you? Do you know who I stand before day and night? I was sent to speak to you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and he pays a price for his lack of faith. now, just a few verses before that, this was the same guy that God is going off about about how righteous and good and upstanding is, but because of his lack of faith in this moment, and we've seen this time and time again throughout the Bible, now you'd be like, man he was just he was just asking a question. you know what I mean? He understood what was going on, he doubted and his doubt matters because what Luke is doing and what was trying to be proven by Gabriel in this situation is not, and what was trying to be proven by God is not the fact that like, he's not going to do it or like whatever else. It's the fact that he's proving in this specific situation that I've told you something and you chose not to believe. And you'd be like, it's not that big of a deal guys. It's not that big of a deal, but it matters so much because he's the example for us. And so yeah, he takes a deeper punishment than you or I would for doubting God. In that moment, I'm sure we would have, you know, later punishments that come from just doubting, right? Or later things that are skewed because we chose to doubt and not have faith. But he's showing us an example, the antithesis, the uh, the epitome, right? Moses who worked for years and years and years, literally freed the uh, Israel the Israelites out of Egypt. Like he wasn't even able to step into the promised land because he disobeyed God. Ananias and Sapphira, they weren't they weren't able to enjoy the goodness of the Holy Spirit because they chose to lie. Like these cases are not like the Lord says, slash down those those that do not believe. No, those cases are an example for us to understand the seriousness so that we can grip the seriousness of the situation. And this is a serious situation. And so Zechariah gets his gets his his uh he gets muted. He gets put on mute. You guys can do it to me right now. Hit me mute. No, but he gets put on mute. And it matters. and He's trying to prove a point. He's trying to prove the point that there is a, there is a consequence for our lack of faith. Now, that was a physical, outward manifested consequence. But there's consequences for your lack of faith all the time. If you think about it in your life, where you lack faith, whether it be in your finances, whether it be in in, in your spiritual development with God, whether it be in your your ability to build people up, like wherever you're lacking faith, there's consequences. If I lacked faith in my relationship with my wife, before she was ever my wife, that like God could create in me a good heart and that could be a good husband and a good father what do you think my relationships would look like? They would be demented. They would be they would be broken. They'd be distorted. And the point there is that there is a consequence for your lack of faith. And that God always delivers. And he goes on to explain how it's going to happen, and so on and so forth. Great things happen in the consistency of a healthy relationship with God, because righteousness, even apart from God, doing the miraculous, has a tremendous benefit of your life, for your life. Your faith in God matters. Your faith matters. See, the birth of John the Baptist was extraordinary, but it was foreshadowing of something greater think about it in the way that the angel visits and he starts talking about the miraculous conception of John and then he goes on about the child he'll be a child that changes the hearts of Israel John the Baptist was staging the most important event in history he was the literal foreshadow. The, the, the gate, so to speak, for the birth of Jesus. Could you imagine God caring so much about this situation, that he does the miraculous, that he, that he enters in such a way, even at the end of life, performing a miracle, and even through all of this goodness, it's still leading to something greater. And that greater thing being the birth of Jesus, being the birth of the one who was going to take us from our sinful ways and bridge the gap so that we could be in wholeness with God again. You might not understand a lot of what I said today if this is your first time. You're never hearing about the Bible or understanding God. Like I'm sure you can understand the main points and the concepts that I'm that I'm talking about, but. The real reason I'm here. The real reason that any of this matters is because of that foreshadowing event into one of the greatest events in history, Jesus's birth. And the antithesis of this entire thing is none of this matters until you, you you kind of pass stage one, right? And that passing stage one is entering a relationship with Jesus. That's being willing to surrender your heart saying, Lord, I realize that I've been chasing after my own ways for a very long time. And right now I understand that I can enter a relationship with you by surrendering that and saying, I have my faith in you and I surrender to you as the Lord of my life. Do with me what you please. That's the relationship. That's how you enter into that relationship. Like a lot of what we do is not rocket science. It's being willing to do hard things. Sometimes it's being willing to have discipline in your life. It's being willing to give up control when that's scary because we are not the controllers of our lives. And when we become the controller of our life, guess what? We'll navigate the ship like the Titanic did. And it'll sink. We'll navigate it like every ranked game teammate you have, you know? You can have that relationship with God. It's all it takes. Listen, I truly believe every human makes mistakes and we often repeat them. And it's a great example in Romans seven, when it says, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. But when you make mistakes, do you stop playing ranked or do you continue to just try and get better? The odd thing about that statement is it's a little different in your relationship with Jesus because you honestly don't want to try to get better. When you try to get better, it ends up worse. The key to your relationship in Jesus and the way you rank up is learning how to let go. And I almost said, let go and let God. but learning to let go and have let God have control. It's willing to fall back into his principles, into his ways, into his righteousness, and realize that he loves you more than you could ever love yourself. And that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And here at God Squad Church, we believe so heavily that you can discover your purpose. It's about having a willing heart. God will consistently make up the lack that you have. But he'll only do so if you allow him to. And the only way you will allow him to is by doing the two things that I will go blue in the face. I will take to my grave. Hopefully it'll be on my tombstone. To be great, read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Daily, every single day. It is more important than the food that you'll eat today. It is more important than the water you'll drink or the sleep you'll get. Read and pray. That is how. You live a consistent, righteous life. And by living that consistent, righteous life, that's how you become great. If no one told you they love you today, I love you with my whole heart. Wow. Uh,
1: that was. I was taking notes on that sermon. I all know about you guys. I was, uh, I was blessed. I was blessed by that. And uh, that was, I'm speechless from it to be completely honest. I, um, something that I do with my small group every single week, my XP group is I take questions from the sermon that was preached on a previous Saturday. And I was, I was sitting over here writing the notes writing down the questions and I was like, Man, like, it was good stuff. If you missed any portion of what Pastor Daylight just preached, um, God was speaking through him. That was an anointed message, um, just grabbing scripture and allowing the scripture to move and so that we can relate it to our lives, be able to apply it to live that great life, to be consistent in what we are doing. And so Pastor Daylight uh, just... Appreciate you, man. That was absolutely, that was very, very powerful. That was extremely powerful. Um, So I hope that you were able to hear that today. And hey, uh, if, you know, he was talking about your relationship with God and what it looks like to truly surrender your heart over to him. And, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes we do a prayer of salvation, but you don't just have to say some specific words in a prayer. Really when you are allowing God to make changes in your life, when you truly give that when you truly give all that control that you have in your life over to Jesus and you allow him to take control, that is the moment that you start a relationship with Jesus Christ and he explained that. And so hey, if you did make that decision today, we want to celebrate with you and we want to let you know that this is the most important decision that you will ever make in your entire life. Maybe you made that decision for the first time today. Maybe you rededicated your life because you realized I've been trying to take control for so long over my situations. I've been trying to take control in this area of my life. I've been trying to take control in that area of my life and I'm not consistently living a life that is obedient to God. I'm not reading my Bible daily. I'm not praying daily. I don't have that relationship. If you made that decision today, hey, we like I said, we want to celebrate with you. And that is absolutely amazing. So if somebody can type exclamation point connect in the chat, somebody did it before, but type it in there again. If you made that decision today for the first time, or even if you re- rededicated your life, hey, I would I would encourage you click on that link and fill out that form. We want to be able to help you on this journey. This is not just a one-time thing where hey I just made a decision and now I'm good for the rest of my life. No, it's like hey I just made a decision decision and I want I want to be consistent. I want to live that consistent life like Zachariah and Elizabeth did. I want to be able to do that. We want to help you on that path to be able to do so as well. We want to give you resources, answer any questions that you may have. So hey click on that link, fill out that form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving if you made that decision today. We would love to be able to walk beside you as you continue your relationship with Jesus Christ as it is the beginning of something brand new in your life and it's absolutely amazing. So congratulations to those of you, whether you're watching right now live, or if you're watching later on in a VOD or YouTube or whatever it might be, hey, we wanna congratulate you as well. But anyways, guys, um, as as we continue to move out uh, uh, of the time, the uh, sermon time, uh, we're going to move into a time of offering right now. And hey, I want you to know if this is your first time here at God Squad Church, we want to welcome you, but we are not asking anything from you. We want everything for you. We do believe here at God Squad Church, though, that our, our giving, our, our offering, when we give of our finances, that it is a form of worship. A lot of people, they're like, I don't know how I can help. This is a way that you can help because everything that we do here at God Squad Church is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many gamers, as many people in the entire world that we possibly can. So when you see things like the services and SquadCon and other events that we do, Literally, your giving and your faithfulness is helping us to be able to continue doing these things. When you see somebody give their life to the Lord, it could possibly be because you gave the ability for us to be able to speak to this individual. It was because you gave the ability to be able to have SquadCon happen and things like that. And so I wanna thank you. For your faithfulness and your generosity and so uh, like i said i do believe that it's a form of worship and there are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to god squad church you can do so by going into the panels below clicking on the give link that will allow you to be able to use uh, paypal you can also go to our website at GodSquadChurch.com. in the top right corner you'll see a little give tab when you click on that it will allow you to be able to give whether it's monthly, uh, weekly, recurring donations, or even a one-time if you would like to do that as well. And then finally, if you're a US resident, you can use something called text to give And all you need to do is text any amount to the number 84321. It will allow you to go through a couple of different setups and the first time that you set it up, it will then automatically be doing that. And so you can definitely do that through text to give as well, but once again. I wanna thank you for your faithfulness and generosity. Uh, God truly blesses and provides for those people that are doing what he has called us to do, to not only give, but give generously. And so we wanna thank you, and we appreciate you so much for all that you guys do so that the gospel of
0: Jesus Christ can continue to go throughout the entire world and to gamers all over the entire world.